Armchair Detectives. Hi, I'm Rebecca. I'm Sarah. And I'm Allie, and you're listening to Desk Chair Detectives. Hello. Hey. Hello. This is awkward. <laughs> oh no, we were just talking like for so long before <laughs> you start um, recording. Um, I kind of feel like we should just jump into this one because it's pretty long. All right. And I have a Do disclaimer it. before I start. Okay. Are you gonna tell Rebecca she can't be mean? Oh, Rebecca's gonna be <laughs> fuming during this one. Yay, I love violence. <laughs> but okay, so I had never heard of this one before last night at 10 o'clock. What? Wait, so you wrote this like all last night? Yes. Amazing. Yeah, see these bags under my eyes? That's from this. And oh, and um I found this one because I, I believe that this episode is going to be the week of Halloween. Yeah, I think it is. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I looked up for like crimes that happened on Halloween. You know, a theme. We love a theme. I think that's exactly what I Googled. So maybe yeah. I do know it. <laughs> and um, I came across this one and I, like, I could tell from like the two sentences I read about it, it was going to be messed up. But I, I really... I'm not, it's so disturbing. I cannot give all the details of what happened. Um, Can you tell but us it's, it's, and take it out? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> I'll do that. But it's literally the most distur- like disturbing one I think we've covered today. I think, I, I think the one you did where the person had the skull at the breakfast table or something like that, Rebecca, oh, right? Oh, yeah, That yeah. one's a close second, but I think this one trumps that. Oh god. Um and I I'm so nervous. I didn't I didn't realize how like terrible it was until I like really got into this detail. Uh oh. Yeah, someone's behind you, Allie. Just kidding. I literally just looked to see my front door was unlocked. It is. <laughs> you guys can see them coming if someone comes. Yeah, I'll, I'll give you a heads up. <laughs> Thanks. Okay. So on October 31st, 1979, 16-year-old Shirley Lynette Ledford. Does that ring a bell? No, no, I don't think this is the one I heard. She was trying to make her way home from a Halloween party that she had attended in a suburb of Los Angeles. She was attempting to hitchhike back home to Burbank where she lived, and she made her way to a local gas station. Where at that gas station, she ran into a regular from um the she was like a part-time waitress. And so this she ran into this guy who's like a regular at the restaurant. Um, this man's name was Lawrence Bitteker. Okay. Um, and Lawrence had been at this gas station with his friend Roy Norris. And this duo offered Shirley a ride home. And she accepted because she was like, oh, you know, it's getting late. And I know this guy. Like, I've waited on him before. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. What year so, was this again? 1979. Okay, that checks out. So, like, hitchhiking was like all the rage right (laughs) and it's california so i just feel like everything bad happened in the 70s in california Mm -hmm. um so shirley gets in the car and lawrence was driving and roy was in the back with her it's a van i should say that it is Uh oh yeah do you want to go lock your door Allie? i was just gonna say can you (laughs) you keep looking at it yeah i'll go lock my door i'm I'm also waiting for someone to 
come do work at my house. Oh, okay. I don't know if they're coming. I just heard a door slam. I'll, I'll lock it though. Okay. I'll wait. All good? Okay. Yay. So Lawrence was driving while Roy and Shirley sat in the back of the van. Roy offered Shirley the pot, but she turned down his offer. And then the next thing she knew, instead of turning onto her street, they were driving down a secluded road where Roy pulled a knife on Shirley and then continued to bound and gag her with construction tape. Mm-hmm. Lawrence and Roy um, then traded places. So Roy was now driving around in the secluded area for about an hour. Um, he, when Lawrence climbed in the back, he removed the tape from her mouth and started tormenting her right after he turned on a tape recorder. Oh, God. He's like, I'm just going to turn on this tape recorder and then I'm going to do terrible things to you. Oh, man. Um, on the tape, you can hear Lawrence slapping, mocking, and then beating Shirley as he taunted her to say something and to scream louder. During this ordeal, Shirley begged Lawrence to stop, and you could hear her screaming not to touch it, like, to st- don't touch me, don't touch me. But in response, he, he was like, um, I want you to scream as loud as you can, um, and then continued to torture her with different tools including a hammer pliers and a sledgehammer oh god yes um roy and lawrence then switched places again and terrible terrible things continued to escalate over the next hour and like i said earlier i'm not going to go into too much more detail than that because it's the most disturbing thing i've ever read um but one something that you can hear on the tape obviously i did not listen to this tape because i would like to sleep again in my lifetime yeah that would be horrifying Um, no thank you but at one point you can hear roy hit shirley over and over in her elbow like he was just like breaking her arm as much as he could and she was like conscious for this whole thing oh that's like Um, heartbreaking that she was alive and aware of what was happening to her yep and he was like mocking her and like um i think he says like what are you sniveling about when she was like crying and screaming god so two hours after shirley entered this van she was killed by roy who strangled her with a wire coat hanger um the duo then placed her body into a random yard in hopes that they would get to see a reaction from the press so they just drove around and like threw her body in a random person's front yard like she's like roadkill yep yeah oh my god her body was found by a jogger the following morning and her autopsy revealed that she had died of strangulation after receiving extensive blunt force trauma to her head face um breasts and arm she also had been sexually assaulted her death has been considered one of the worst deaths that a human being has ever experienced oh my god she's 16 yeah that's a baby so when shirley lynette ledford accepted this ride from a familiar face she had no idea that she would actually become the last victim of the murderous duo who had been killing young women for the past five months this duo was known as the toolbox killers oh wow oh my god i just got the chills right Ugh. well fucking so a little bit about these two 
this duo Lawrence Bitteker was born in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania in 1940 after his birth he was brought to an orphanage by his birth mother um, but was quickly adopted by a family as an infant his adopted father George Allie his name was George um, worked in the (laughs) the aviation industry (laughs) so as a child the family moved around a lot Um, Lawrence first started getting into trouble at age 12 when he was caught shoplifting and obtained a minor criminal record record over the next four years for similar offenses just like little things like shoplifting Mm -hmm. he this like made me I hated this he claimed later in life that he was doing these petty crimes to compensate for the lack of love he received from his parents shut up yeah yeah Mm. I right <laughs> right wrong like just wrong. Disagree. Like, why do you have to like why do you have to escalate i don't know um so he had a really high iq and according to my google it was like a 138 iq which put him in the moderately gifted category just mm-hmm. moderately though yeah so it was weird because it's like <laughs> highly intelligent is the bracket below him and then above that is like moderately and then like highly talented or i don't know have you guys ever done that like an iq no i don't need someone else to tell me i'm stupid <laughs> i think we had to do it in high school <laughs> i would like to know my iq i would but i'd be kind of nervous like now mm. that i'm not in school there's very simple things that i don't remember how to do <laughs> oh yeah same yeah um so this guy was really smart but um he dropped out of school when he was 17 and was quickly arrested for um, a car theft, hit and run, and evading arrest. Uh, for this, he went to a he went to juvie until he was eighteen. Um, and when he got out, he found that his parents had ghosted him. Uh, they, right? They like literally <laughs> up and moved to a different state, <laughs> and wanted nothing to do with him anymore. Well, now he can bitch that his parents don't love him. Yeah. I'm yeah. like, I don't blame them. You're going to hear yeah. some of the stuff that these guys did. Just like, yeah, you're wrong. They, <laughs> they had an wrong. inkling. Yeah, yeah they were like, wrong. we made a mistake adopting this kid. Mm-hmm. Not good. So Roy Norris was born in Greeley, Colorado in 1948. He was an unplanned pregnancy and his parents only married each other to avoid the social stigma at the time that went with having a baby out of wedlock. His dad worked in a scrapyard, and his mother was described as a drug-addicted housewife. We've all been there. Yeah. (laughs) Throughout his childhood, he went back and forth between foster care and living with his parents. And at the age of 16, Roy got real creepy with a female relative, and she told his father about it. Um, And so, like, Roy's dad was, like, screaming at him, yelling at him. So then Roy stole his father's car drove into the rocky mountains uh where he attempted to kill himself by injecting air into an artery in his arm there has to be an easier way i was just gonna say like if you're going to do it why that way specifically (laughs) yes it's so dramatic that's crazy that's random right i just i had to put that in there because it just like shows how weird he was um so when he stole the dad's car obviously the dad called the cops and reported him as a runaway so he was apprehended by police and returned to his parents when he got home his dad decided to tell him that he was an unwanted child 
and that his parents were just waiting to get a divorce until him and his sister were not young anymore what like like, clearly that both of these kids yeah both of these kids had like mess up home lives but like like you found out your son tries to commit suicide and then he's basically like yeah you should have because we don't want you yeah you you've been unwanted from the start that is a horrible yeah god so a year after this roy um too dropped out of high school and joined the navy and was deployed to serve in the vietnam war Mm. um so over the next several years these two gems would go on to commit various crimes and would be in and out of different prisons Um, so here are some of the highlights from (laughs) the highlight reel yeah (laughs) this is the this is the uh spark note version it's like the tape you send to college of like your sport highlights yeah this is his resume some of (laughs) the highlights from his resume um so he was arrested for transporting a stolen vehicle across state lines which landed him in a jail in oklahoma when he got out he was arrested shortly after he got out uh, for robbery in los angeles where he was sentenced to 15 years in jail but don't worry he only served two Uh, Mm -hmm. but during his two years um, a psychiatrist in the jail described him as having considerable concealed hostility it's Um, good thing they let him out early yeah right they need a doctor to tell him that right Uh, (laughs) when he got out he was constantly violating his parole and ended up back in jail where two different psychiatrists classified him as a borderline psychopath um but again don't worry they put him on an antipsychotic medication and sent him on his way i'm sure he took it too yeah yeah right i definitely did the trick <laughs> and finally he was arrested for attempted for attempt to commit murder after he stabbed the supermarket employee who accused him of stealing yeah employee, as you yeah <laughs> is it worth it <laughs> right the employee um survived so (laughs) he was only charged with assault with a deadly weapon and for this attack he was sent to the california men's colony in san luis obispo that was the highlight reel for lawrence that was just one of them yeah yeah oh then (laughs) there were other things i just like literally this would be like a four-hour episode if i (laughs) talk about how much terrible things these guys have done um so some of roy's activities over the years included uh rape stalking and attacking a woman at san diego state university where he struck her on the back of the head with a rock until she fell down and then continued to beat her head against the sidewalk oh my god yep he got five years for this and was classified as a mentally disordered sex offender five years five years after five years the doctor declared that he was no of no further danger to others and set him free three months later he approached yeah Three months after he got out, he approached a woman walking out of a restaurant and asked if she wanted to ride on his motorcycle. When she was like, uh, no thanks, he hopped off his bike, grabbed the woman's scarf, and began twisting it around her neck before dragging her into the bushes to rape her. Ah. Um, for this crime, he was also sent to the California Men's Colony in San Luis Obispo, where he would befriend the lovely, lovely Lawrence. Ah. Uh. Yes. I think it's a match made that, in heaven. That girl that he dragged into the bush, um, 
she survived yes i'm pretty sure i saw her like do an interview about that actually i wouldn't be surprised it stayed with me for a long time because like she was like i was like so close to help but like yeah you know like you're just out she was leaving a restaurant yeah and she like couldn't get it yeah that's so terrifying like she was literally just leaving a restaurant Mm -hmm. and then the girl on the college campus just walking yeah yeah that could have been any of us yeah like Uh, people are so scary yeah so over the next few years lawrence and roy would start off as acquaintances but then become best friends lawrence admired yeah lawrence admired how savvy roy was when it came to dealing with the hardened criminals in the jail and his ability to deal drugs and contraband from behind bars roy (laughs) traits right Roy was very appreciative that Lawrence had saved him from being attacked by other inmates a few times. But what really brought them together was their shared interest in sexual violence and their hatred of women. When they were like official BFFs, Roy confided in Lawrence that the biggest stimulation for him was seeing a frightened young woman's face. That just made me so nauseous. Right? (laughs) I'm saying, so uncomfortable. Yeah, he said that this was the primary reason he had such a lengthy record for sexual offenses. And at this point, Lawrence was not known to have any sexual offenses. His all of his stuff was like robbery, stealing cars yeah. and stuff like that. Um, but he confided in his BFF Roy that if he were to ever rape a woman, he would kill them so that there was no witnesses. Oh, so it's like roy's like hatred of women and wanting to rape and beat women and then like this other guy's just like violent wanting to smash people and rob people it's like yeah roy is like combination roy is like very violent very like reactive very like not like obviously not a thinker right he's like oh i see this woman i'm just gonna do whatever but lawrence is the one with the really high iq yeah, yeah, he's like the leader of the two. Yeah. yeah. Um, so over the years, uh, the number one topic of discussion for these two was um, this plan that they came up with to assault and murder teenage girls when they were released. Their That's, goal, yeah. But like teenagers, let's just put that in there. Like, yeah. Ugh. Yeah. Their goal was to kill one girl of each age from night from 13 to 19. So, like, they wanted to kill a 13-year-old, a 14-year-old, a 15-year-old, 16, yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. Um, For everyone listening, Allie and I just have our mouths wide open. (laughs) Yeah. Did they have, like, did they have siblings? Did any of them have sisters? Uh, One, yeah, I know Roy had um, a a biological sister, and I think um, Lawrence had, like, adopted siblings. That's, like, horrifying to think of, like, like, I'm, I'm, like, Imagine if that were like my brothers, like your brothers. Yeah. Like Disgusting. that's scary. You know, like you don't think about. I don't know. Like yeah. they shouldn't be doing that in general at all. Like you shouldn't have those thoughts at all. But let alone when you have a sister that could have been around that age at any point. Yeah. Don't think of them. They're just like the sickest people I've ever that's read about. So scary. So they knew that they were going to get out of jail at different times. But they promised each other that they would be reunited when they got out. I'll wait for you, baby. Yes, literally. <laughs> and they had like, they made a pact that they would like 
do this evil plan together gosh oh this is God. so romantic when Imagine Ryan hell. this is really <laughs> a story of friendship no romance like <laughs> they really like want to satan has yeah. entered the chat <laughs> so in 1978 lawrence was released from jail um, and found a pretty good job as a machinist earning about a thousand dollars a week Oh, which wow. I'm like for That's 78 that was like a lot right yeah especially like coming right out of jail yes a thousand dollars a week do That's I want that right now yeah are they, are they, like, what do I make <laughs> right? think about are it are they hiring <laughs> uh, I don't know what a machinist is but uh, I also thought this was crazy um at the time like in his like where he was living he earned himself like a really good reputation like people knew him as being like super generous and helpful and he was at the time was like donating a lot of money to the salvation army which is i thought was like so random but like also maybe he like was feeling bad about like what he was actually thinking and i guess he just do. needed to do like the polar opposite of everything until Roy yeah. got out of like, even it out. yeah, <laughs> yeah. So a few months later, Roy was released and immediately went back to being a rapist. Um, Gets he, out of jail, immediately becomes a rapist again. Yes. Uh, oh, he Lord. moved in with his mom. Um, and then after a short amount of time, he received a letter from his good pal Lawrence. And the two planned to meet up at a hotel and start their plan to kidnap, rape, and kill teenage girls. Step number one of the plan purchase the ultimate creep mobile <laughs> a 1977 windowless white van Holla. in which they nicknamed murder mac <laughs> oh my god what this is it seems made up right <laughs> yeah like the, that's what everyone's looking for right when there's murderers in the area that's the car everyone looking for <laughs> yeah i was reading how like because these two creeps like went on to do like a lot of like interviews and stuff like they were like oh, those kind of people God. and um they like so there's so many quotes and they were talking about uh when they saw this car they're like oh my god this is awesome because one of us can drive around and the other one can slide open the door and just grab someone and there's no windows so the girls can't see the guy in the back oh my god yeah and it was lawrence's idea he's the genius right yeah yeah so from february to june of 1979 these two freaks were driving around <laughs> and pe- picking up over 20 female hitchhikers but they did not assault any of these girls at all they used this as practice runs to see the best way to lure girls into the van no. voluntarily bye up shut right? the fuck up Wait, they, so when they were picking these girls up, were they pretending to kidnap them? Did they? No, they were like offering them rides. And they just will, and then they let them go, like yeah. nothing to them. Yeah, they did things. So I saw things they'd be like, they would, they were like trying, it was like market research almost, like they were like testing out different ways, like strategic plans. Um, they'd be like, oh, would you like some weed? I have some weed in my car. And if that didn't work, would they'd you, go on to the next one. Would you some, some marijuana? Would you like the pot? I have some pot. <laughs> or is, the then fuck? they would just be like, hey, you want to ride? And they would do like different things where like both of them were in the front seat. One of them was in the back. Like they were just like, Pepper, please go away. Um, it's just so... Yeah. They also use this time to scope out secluded areas nearby that they could become familiar with. God, this reminds me of like, israel keys in his kill bucket yeah he like oh. planned everything out 
before yeah. he took somebody. Yeah. God, so um, disturbing. So the, like I said, they did this from February to June, but by the end of June, the two were ready. Lucinda Lynn Schaefer was 16 years old and was leaving a Presbyterian church meeting no. on the evening of June 24th at around 7.30 p.m. She was literally leaving church. Yep. It, it gets worse. Please. Unfortunately, Roy spotted her and pointed her out as a cute little blonde. He was like, hey, Lawrence, look at that cute little blonde as she made her way down a side street. Wait, Can also, ask? I, yeah. Oh. Go ahead, you go, set, Rebecca. I, I was going to say, how old are they at this point? I was just going to ask that. I was oh like, so let me do some math they? real quick. Let me do some math. <laughs> Not like it matters either way. No, like it's also so nineteen seventy. What I say it was nineteen seventy nine minus nineteen forty. Uh, so Lawrence was thirty nine, and a nineteen seventy nine minus nineteen forty eight, and Roy was thirty one. Gross. He was my age. Okay, gross gross um so the two pulled up to her offered her the pot and a ride but she turned down both their offers um so instead of like freaking out they then drove like they were like okay bye they drove (laughs) on and like parked up ahead and um roy exited the van this part is so creepy to me she's up to something pepper's up to something so they parked ahead in front of the, this driveway. Roy got out of the van, opened the side door, and leaned into the car so that she couldn't see him. But he was, like, still standing out there. What? Yeah. And so as she passed, Roy grabbed her and pulled her into the van. Lawrence then drove with the music blasting as Roy bound her arms and legs with tape. They drove to the secluded location that they had scoped out earlier and took turns sexually assaulting her. This part's really disturbing. Lucinda asked them if they intended on killing her. And if they did, she requested time to pray before they killed her. Oh, I just got goosebumps. Me too. Oh my God, the poor baby. Lucinda Lynn Schaefer was strangled to death with a wire hanger and her body was wrapped in a plastic shower curtain and thrown over a steep canyon. Oh my God. Yeah. So they just they didn't want the clout and put her put her on a random ass lawn like they did that yeah, other girl. Because this was this was like the first, the first one that one. they did. Um two weeks later, Lawrence and Roy came across 18-year-old and Andrea Joy Hall. Andrea was hitchhiking along the Pacific Coast Highway, and as the two slowed to offer her a ride, a vehicle that was driving in front of them stopped and picked up Andrea. They oh, then, wow. yeah, right. They then, so just like go away. But yeah. instead of that, they followed the vehicle to R- Rendondo Beach, where she exited that car. Um, so Roy got out, hid in the back of the van, in hopes to tr- in hopes to trick Andrew into thinking that Lawrence was traveling alone. Lawrence got out of the car, started talking to Andrea, and offered her a beverage from a cooler in the back. When she went to retrieve the drink. Roy jumped out from under a blanket and after a strenuous fight got Andrea into the van. 
And there was like quotes where um, like Roy or Lawrence, I forgot which one, who's like, yeah, I'm pretty sure people saw this happening. Yeah, I was just going to say she's at like a public beach. Yeah. Probably in the daytime when everyone is around and yeah. nothing. Yep. Um, so after the fight, they got her in the van. They then started um, their disgusting routine. Where they bounded her, le- they bound her legs and arms, drove around to their secluded street. They did unspeakable things to Andrea before stabbing her in both ears into her brain with an ice pick. So she died from that, and then they threw her body off a cliff. Two months later, Lawrence and Roy observed two girls: fifteen-year-old Jackie Doris Gilliam and thirteen-year-old Jacqueline Leah Ugh. Lamp sitting at a bus stop near Hermosa Beach. They offered the girl, the two girls a ride, and Jackie and Jacqueline accepted. Shortly after entering the van, the girls realized that they were not headed in the correct direction. When they brought this up, the men tried to make up some excuses as to why they were going this way, but the two girls did not believe them. Jacqueline, who was 13, um, or Jacqueline attempted to open the sliding, the van sliding door. But Roy hit her in the back of the head with a bag of lead weights, knocking her unconscious oh until God. Um, and then overpowered Jackie. Oh they my God. A lot of tools in this van. Yep. Toolbox killers. Yeah. Holy shit. Jacqueline regained consciousness and tried to escape again. And this time, Lauren stopped the van, got out, punched her in the face, and assisted Roy in tying up the two girls. <sighs> Um, they drove to their secluded area um, and they kept Jackie and Jacqueline here for two days. Holy shit. Alive shit. for two days. During these two terrible, terrible days, Lawrence and Roy took many Polaroid photos of the girls and themselves with the girls, along with audio recordings of what they were doing to them. Oh my God. Jackie Doris Gillum was killed with an ice pick through each ear into her brain. And Jacqueline Leah Lamp was bludgeoned to death with a sledgehammer. Oh my. God. I like, I don't even have any more things to say yeah. in shock. Like, it, I'm speechless. Yeah. The next month, the duo would attack and kill their final victim, Shirley Lynette Ledford. After the murder of Shirley, Roy had been hanging out with another buddy from the California men's colony, which I'm pretty sure, like, when you get out of jail, you're not supposed to be like hanging yeah, out with other Does like, anyone check in on that? Like, yeah, I was no. just thinking that too. I mean, it was the 70s, so it was a terrible time. To That's just true. Like They're like, yeah, find a buddy. Hang yeah. Out. <laughs> but this person is our hero of the story. His name is Joseph oh, Jackson. Okay. Thank you. He's, um, Roy started bragging to Joe about what him and Lawrence had been up to lately. He went into extremely graphic details about how they would take these young girls, do terrible things to them, and then kill them and discard their bodies. Joseph sat there and listened to what Roy was telling him and was like, you know what, man? I gotta <laughs> he's go. He's sitting there, he's like, uh-huh. Mm-hmm. He's like Can writing everything letter. down. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Do, do we know what he was in prison for? Uh, I didn't guy? know. I didn't look that up. I, I don't want to know because well, I just I- want him to be our good guy. <laughs> Yeah, because I was going to say, if it wasn't, like, rape-related or, like, beating women or yeah. murder or anything, if it was just, like, writing bad checks or something, you yeah. know? <laughs> Let's he's go probably with that. Like, he's probably like, guys, this <laughs> yeah. is, you shouldn't be telling me this right now. 
yeah, unofficially um, and in my made-up world, he Joe was, was for... falsely imprisoned for <laughs> something not bad. For bad checks. Yeah, bad checks. He got arrested during a climate change protest. Yes, yes. <laughs> so after hanging out with Roy, good old Joe uh, went straight to this attorney he knew to tell him what he had heard. And that lawyer was like, dude, we got to go to the police. So the two of them went to the Herm- were off to the Hermosa Beach Police Department. At this beach, de- uh, Hermosa Beach Police Department, <laughs> a de- <laughs> that's a mouthful. Det- a detective named Paul Bunham, not Paul Bunyan. I kept saying Paul Bunyan last night. Um, he was assigned to investigate Joseph's claims that Roy had said the murders and rapes had occurred between like June and October. Um, uh, I'm just going to call him Paul because yeah. I can't say Bynum. Paul noted that Joe's statements did match reports that they had on file of several girls who had been reporting missing over the previous five months. And I will say for the 70s, like this police work that they did, top notch. Good. Wait, um, did um did they find any bodies besides Shirley's before this? No. Or were they just missing? They were, they were oh, just really? missing. Yeah, just wow. missing. So like even right there, like how many times are there like, oh, you know, we don't even have any people reported missing or like Yeah. Yeah. So this like, oh, like, she hey. ran away. Yeah. They're like, actually, you know what? A lot of girls were going missing during those few months. Maybe yeah. we'll put the two together. Bless this detective for right? putting that together. Yeah. Like, right? Wow. You used um, your common sense, yeah, and did some great police work. Yeah. Um, in addition, there was another incident Roy had confided to um, Joe about, where he and Lawrence had sprayed mace in the face of a woman who had then been dragged into the van and raped by both men. Mm-hmm. Um, so this matched. So this police officer was like, "Oh my god, wait, we have a, a like a report filed." in about on uh, um, september 30th and in this report a young woman named robin robeck another hero in this story she told police that she was sprayed in the face uh with mace before being dragged into a van and raped by two caucasian men in their 30s my god she got away like did they let her go she got away they they let her go was she not a teenager was that no she was not a teenager that's probably why um so there so another great police work they're like hmm where have we heard that someone got sprayed in the face of mace oh <laughs> the lady this said that yeah it's probably related yes <laughs> it's, it might be yeah you know? very similar very thinking similar. cabs on <laughs> yeah so <laughs> paul detective paul dispatched an investigator to go visit robin at her residence in oregon and she showed and they showed her a series of mug shots without hesitation Robin positive, positively identified two photos presented to her as the men who kidnapped her and raped her on September 30th. Those two individuals she identified were Lawrence and Roy. Hello. Got them. Right? Good. So once they were able to make this connection, the two buffoons were arrested. <laughs> Where'd they find them? At their houses, their apartments. Just like around. They, just right. they weren't hiding or anything. Pepper, I will end your life. Please go away. <laughs> On the next episode of Death yeah. Detective. <laughs> um, so they arrested them 
and in a search of Lauren's apartment revealed several Polaroid photographs, which were determined, determined as depicting Andrea and Jackie, both of whom had been reported missing earlier the same year. Inside the van, investigators discovered a sledgehammer, a plastic bag filled with lead weights, a book detailing how to locate police radio frequencies, a jar of Vaseline, two necklaces, later confirmed as belonging to two of the victims, and a tape recording of a young woman in obvious distress, screaming and repeating, pleading, repeatedly pleading for mercy while being tortured and sexually abused. It's like the one guy saying, like, we have to kill them so we don't leave any witnesses like that's my thing yeah and then you have all this evidence anyway yeah what's even the point (laughs) yeah inside roy's apartment police discovered a bracelet he had taken from shirley as a souvenir also found um it also found at the homes of both lawrence and roy were over 500 photos of teenage girls polaroids of teenage girls and young women, um, most which had apparently been taken at Redondo Beach, Hermosa Beach, and at a Burbank high school. Hmm. Most of these pictures had been taken without the girls' knowledge or consent. So disgusting. That adds up. Yeah. After their arrest, Roy was quick to turn on Lawrence and confess to the crimes, but he made it out as Lawrence was the evil mastermind and main aggressor. Roy was very cooperative with police and aided in the recovery of two of the four missing bodies. Lucinda could do. Yeah. Lucinda and Andrea's bodies were never found. Oh my God. I think they just like, didn't really know where they dumped them or like, yeah, just like a um, random area. They were in like a lot of like wild, like wildlife. Didn't you say like they were like over cliffs and stuff? Yeah. Yeah. So um, in February of 1980, Roy and Lawrence were formally charged with the murders of the five girls. At the arraignment, Lawrence was denied bail, whereas Roy's bail was set for $10,000. Gross. Um, Lawrence was not cooperative with the police, I will say too. Uh, within one month of being charged with his murder, Norris, which is Roy, uh, Roy accepted a plea bargain in which he would testify against Lawrence in return for the prosecution agreeing not to seek the death penalty against him. So he wasn't going to trial. Roy was like, yep, I'm guilty. I'll help you get Lawrence. I right. just don't want to die. So on March 18th, Roy pleaded guilty to four counts of first degree murder and one count of second degree, two counts of rape and one count of robbery. Roy was reviewed by a probation officer who testified at his sentencing that Roy had again accused Lawrence of the actual torture of their victims and that for Roy himself, the feeling of power and the dominance he had over the victims was the main overriding factor as opposed to having sexual intercourse with them. The probation officer added that Roy never exhibited any remorse or compassion for the brutal acts towards his victims. The defendant appears compulsive in his need to inflict pain and torture upon women, was the direct quote. In conclusion, the probation officer testified that Roy can realistically be regarded as an extreme sociopath whose depraved patterns of behavior is beyond rehabilitation. Yeah, and should never see the light of day ever again. Yes. So... Roy was sentenced to 45 years to life imprisonment with the eligibility of parole in 2010 yeah no we don't do the parole thing yeah yeah 
Wait, like, after all of that, they're like, yeah, but like parole in 2010. Yeah. Yeah. Are yep. you fucking kidding me? Yep. Um, when he became eligible for parole, he declined to attend the parole hearing. Roy did, thereby automatically so- deferring his parole eligibility for another 10 years. Well, that's the first thing he's done right the whole time right. is denied parole. Good he was Lord. denied parole again in 2019 and died in prison in a prison medical facility in February of 2020 at the age Thanks. of 72. Thank fucking God. Yeah. Bye. 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 You yeah. deserve it. Have a nice life in hell. Yeah. So Lawrence's trial began on January 19th, 1981. During the trial, Roy chronologically recounted every single detail of the five murders. If that wasn't enough, the prosecutors presented at the trial a 17-minute section of the audio tape the pair had recorded of Shirley's abuse and torment. Shut up. They play, Did they play that to the jury? Yeah. So they, so a 17-minute section of the audio tape that the they had recorded of Shirley's abuse and torment. The audio tape, which had been found inside the van, and which Roy had earlier testified that Lawrence had repeatedly played as he drove in the weeks prior to his arrest, adding that Lawrence considered the contents to be real funny and presented in evidence. And this was presented as evidence. Oh my God. More than a hundred people were present in the courtroom as the tape was played. I get like chills reading this. Me too. I have them right now. Many members of both the jury and the audience wept openly upon hearing the contents with several members of the audience either burying their heads in their hands, dabbing tears from their eyes, or rushing out of the courtroom before the tape had finished. Lawrence was undisturbed at hearing the contents of the tape and smiled throughout the duration of the recording. Bye. Right? Bye. I don't think I would have been able to sit there. Like no. Even no. just hearing about it like makes me choked up. And... I have goosebumps on my legs, on my arms, yep. like on the back of my neck. There was a really disturbing quote from, I think it was Lawrence, and he was like, you think you know what it is like to hear someone cry, um, like actresses, like in movies, when you watch a scary movie, it's nothing compared to the real thing, like something like that, like, disgusting. I I can't imagine how those people, like... They probably didn't. They have so many issues after listening to oh, that. Oh, just too. wait. Like, I'm going to get into that. Oh, my God. So the jury deliberated for 90 minutes yeah. before they returned with their verdict. Lawrence was sentenced to death for the counts, for five counts of first-degree murder. He showed no emotion as the verdict was delivered. He died while incarcerated on death row at San Quentin State Prison on December 13th, 2019, at the wow. age of 79. Wait, so he was just on death row the whole time? They never yeah. actually killed him? Yeah. Which honestly, like, I don't know. I'd rather my uh, killer just, like, rot in jail. Same. Same. Because, like, we don't know what happens when we die, right? Like, what if yeah. it's, like, a nice nap? No. I want you to be afraid to drop the soap. Yep. <laughs> um, his death was reported as being due to natural causes. So the, the prosecutor of Bitteker's uh, Lawrence's trial. His name was Stephen Kay. He still considers the murders committed by Lawrence and Roy as being the worst criminal case he has ever prosecuted or encountered and remained insistent in his belief that um, 
that Lawrence had been more deserving of being executed than any other inmate incarcerated on California's death row. Mm. I mean, I, I feel like I would agree. Right? Yeah. It's just so crazy, though. Like, why didn't they kill him then if I know. he felt that way? I know. It's just like, I think it's, I think California is one of those, though they yeah. execute very often. I don't think so, mm. right? Yeah, I feel, like, I feel like you're probably right. That's what I was thinking. I'm just too. trying to think, like, who did they kill before him? Like, what did they do, yeah. you know? Um, in interviews, Stephen McKay has stated that for over two years following the trial of Lawrence, his sleep was disturbed by reoccurring nightmares in which he would be rushing to the van to prevent harm coming from the oh girls, but would always get there too late. Oh, that's so traumatizing. That is so sad. That's very upsetting. I know. Paul Bunham, Bunham the guy, the <laughs> detective who investigated this case, yeah. the chief investigator of the murders, commit a suicide in 1987 uh, he was 39 years old and in a 10 page suicide note he specifically referred to the murders committed by the two men as haunting him and of his fears they may be released from prison oh my god that's freaking heartbreaking yeah oh my god that's really yeah that's hard the audio cassette of um lawrence and roy that they created um, torturing Shirley remains in the possession of the FBI Academy. This recording is used to train and desensitize FBI agents to the raw reality of torture and murder. My whole body just went into goosebumps again. Yeah. Oh my God. Yep. In a press statement relating to the police investigation into the murders in, um, on Feb- in February of 1980, they said that um, in relation to the Polaroid pictures found in Roy and Lawrence's apartments, police had located, there was over 500, police located around 60 of the women depicted and none of them had been harmed. Um, he also stated that police identified 19 of the women depicted in these pictures as being individuals who have been reported missing. Oh no. And that these teenage girls and young women may very well have been murdered Although they did stress that they have no real evidence to suggest that these additional 19 women photographed ha- um, were victims of these two men. But it's oh just like a crazy God. coincidence. I mean, yeah, that... what are the chances that these women go missing and they just happen to be taken by serial killers? Yeah. yeah. Oh my God. Um, one of the Polaroid pictures seized from the apartments depicts an unidentified young white woman alone with the men in circumstances very similar to the pictures found depicting known victims such as andrea jackie and jacqueline the young woman in the pictures has never been identified and this photograph suggests that there um, may have been more victims that they just never mentioned to investigators that's so horrible especially since like didn't like roy cooperated with the police yeah and he didn't tell the full story yeah either he, yeah. it was just those five girls yeah so that's the terrible 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 case of the toolbox murders that ended on halloween that was very uh very hard to listen to very heavy that one was really heavy like the like we always do really sad ones really scary ones really messed up ones but that one was pretty heavy this is it's just crazy to me it was like two perfect strangers found each other yeah in jail 
and just had like this same vision of like right dis- disgusting this yeah and, like the torture yes and the fact like that recording and, I hope that never sees the light of day I know yes. oh my god and I think that's the other part that's so terrifying it's like yeah it people like rape and kill people all the time but the like added element of like all these like tools and just torture the torture yeah yeah Yeah. they didn't want literally the article that I first found this on it was it was like um top 10 worst ways people have ever died and this was like number one four b yeah that makes sense they're so young yeah oh my god that was really that was yeah it, that was that was tough and I really think that that's the worst one we've ever talked about I I'm agree. sure yeah as I was going through it I was like oh god this one is bad yeah I'm taking some deep brutal. breaths right now like it's like it's in my chest yeah still, yeah you know oh good god yeah. it definitely definitely tops the abduction of Betty and Barney Hill <laughs> <laughs> or uh shades of death road <laughs> yeah oh yeah oh my god back in the day <laughs> yeah well happy halloween so everyone happy halloween that was terrible now we're all depressed yeah have a depressing halloween yeah don't don't get into cars with strangers yes avoid every van ever just stay inside don't eat the pixie sticks don't eat the pixie sticks all right bye bye, bye.